0: This is retired local derby legend, de DeLarge, for Out From Under the Bed podcast, a Meowter Limits production. Meow.
1: Welcome, gentle listener. You are listening to Out From Under the Bed. I am your host, the Boogeyman, always joined by my beautiful wife, beautiful wife, uh, co-host, co-producer, social media manager. This is always a mouthful to say. <laughs> <laughs> master, my master sedator, how are you doing today? Oh my
2: goodness, good. How are, how are you doing today?
1: I don't know. I'm about to get my lips retreaded. But <laughs> anyhow, so on today's recording, we have Laura Stabs, a local retired legend from the Coffin Draggers. But first, we're going to get into some business stuff. So. At first we would like uh, we would like to thank our sponsor, Siphon draw apothecary. Uh, Master was just in there this afternoon with uh, my with her parents and my in laws. So shout out to them for going into the store. Also,
2: we spent like a stupid amount of money.
1: <laughs> Supporting that small business, wild. Daddy. So getting wild at siphon draw. What did you guys pick up?
2: Um the there was a large jar of honey. There's never large jars of honey ever definitely one of those um lots of pain relief stuff the pain the superstition pain relief stick with the cbd in it and then um what some lost wiseman
1: yeah what that's the new item you picked up right yeah okay well um i saw you rubbing a little bit of that yeah on you earlier
2: oh it felt real nice
1: it felt really nice it
2: was really warming and my back feels looser oh yeah
1: and that contains 400 milligrams of broad spectrum cbd that is the lost wiseman salve so check that out a few upcoming local events well one up yeah no two upcoming local events the arizona roller girls are playing another game uh saturday october 14th So come on out to 59 East Broadway Road, that is in Mesa, Arizona. Check them out, my beautiful co-host will be playing in that game and I will be doing another recording of the play-by-play for the Arizona Roller Girls over in the corner. So if you see me out there at the game, come check it out. Yeah, and wear wear black, right? I'm I'm a
2: black, wear black, yeah.
1: Wear black if you're on the black team. (laughs) Do
2: that.
1: Sweet. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) on the Uh, 11th of November, I will be playing with uh, my friends at Cal Squad Roller Derby in some flat track whiff to action. We take on the, what is it? The Gold Rush? Is that the t- Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, the Gold Rush and the Rough Riders. So come check that out, Ooh. 1111 at the, what is the name of that place again? The Bank One. Is that, Bell Bank Bell Park. Bank Park.
2: Legacy, Sports, Legacy Park. Sports Park. Legacy
1: Sports Park. Something like that. So yeah, come check that out. Also, we would like to uh, mention we got Tot from the Pittsburgh Undead Roller Derby coming on on Tuesday, this Tuesday, to talk about the MRDA tournament that is happening Saturday, October 21st through Sunday, October 22nd. That is the 2023 MRDA Western Hemisphere Cup in Cleveland, hosted by the Cleveland Guardians.
2: Also, um, on Todd's episode, if you've ever thought about chartering an MRDA team, um, we're going to be asking all those questions on how to make that happen, because we are going to do that.
1: Yeah, I'm looking to bring Phoenix out of the void, as far as uh, Men's Flat Track Roller Derby goes, and get us us out there back in the uh, MRDA land, so... Stay tuned for that one. Hopefully, we can get a lot of good information from our friend, Tot, from Pittsburgh on Dad Roller Derby. So, at this time, I would like to introduce our guest, Laura Stabs. This is one of the ultimate pleasures for me, being a fan of the Coffin Draggers and seeing you and a good handful of others from previous interviews out on the track from time to time, and... I was telling Master off air before you got here, you always reminded me of you were an android underneath some human skin out there on the track. You were just that much of a monster to me. And as I became a fan and a play, you know, from the fan into a player, I was like, this is still a monster. But I know that's a human monster and not just like the scary Android, because I don't know, you just gave off this, this persona of this Android. And I was like, oh man, that's so cool. Like, I don't know.
2: Things we're going to learn today. Did stabs ever
0: play a bad game? I don't know. Maybe at some point. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, And I'll just kind of start off by saying that I think a huge part of roller derby is the heart that's involved. And so I think that that's really what you were seeing. So at no point have I ever been the best player on the track or, or even the best player on my team, but I brought 150% heart to every single game that I ever played. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, I've,
1: my coaches when I was younger always told us, uh, you, can,
0: you can't teach heart. You have to show up with it. Absolutely, it's something that just lives inside of you or it doesn't. And I felt like um, finding roller derby, I had a fire to not only be better, uh, continue to rise, but to bring everyone with me. So for me, that was one of the best parts of derby. It wasn't my own progression. It was bringing all my friends along, our progression
1: absolutely so as i open up this green notebook i bought purposely for my three (laughs) upcoming coffin dragger interviews with panda next week and wendy o'killums the following week
0: fantastic so i got a
1: green notebook to write notes down in for these three fantastic local retired legends so laura stabs was skating something you did as a kid or was it something you did as
0: an adult I did not know how to roller skate when I showed up for roller derby tryouts when I was a teenager I had a skateboard and I wasn't very good at skating and so when I went to roller derby tryouts um, I had gotten skates on for maybe the first time in 20 years and as a kid you know I skated a little bit but I definitely wasn't a rink rat and I definitely wasn't good at it and I definitely didn't get those skills back when i showed up for tryouts so um for me i think that was the coolest part of the journey was showing up at tryouts as the girl who literally couldn't skate and then my journey through derby um so no i, I didn't grow up skating i learned when i was 27 years old. All right,
1: see, these are such relatable stories to myself as well, being a self-taught, like, hey, I'm just gonna do that. So how did you find out that roller derby existed?
0: Ginger Mortis.
1: Mm. Nice. That's
0: gonna be my first awesome person shout out of the day. Um, Ginger and I worked at a salon together and actually went to beauty school together. And she told me about this incredible group of women. She told me about how derby would be awesome for me and how she thinks I would be great at it. Um, She didn't even ask me if I could roller skate. (laughs) And so she told me about tryouts. She gave me some Skecher tennis shoe roller skates with the pink wheels. And um, yeah, it just went from there.
2: What year was that?
0: That was 2006.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nice.
0: And I actually kept those Skecher skates for a while because I didn't know if I was going to I didn't know what was going to happen. Am I going to fall down and break my leg? Am I going to fall out of love with this, get frustrated, (laughs) and never come back? And so I refused to invest in roller derby skates for the first six months and skated in these pink-wheeled Skechers. That was pretty hilarious. Awesome.
1: So other than Ginger Mortis, shout-out to Ginger, um, reeling you in what made you ultimately just want to get involved in the
0: sport I didn't know anything about derby you didn't I even joined. watch
1: it on TV no. like
0: prior okay no I didn't really even know what derby was all right and hers. then I found out later that my grandpa my mom's dad was actually a huge fan of roller derby See? back in okay. the day and would, like gathered uh, family to like watch roller derby mm-hmm. together and so I was thought that that would have been so cool he passed away when i i think i was 10 years old but if he knew that i grew up to be a roller derby player um i think he would have been really impressed with that
2: hell yeah oh that's rad
1: Hell yeah i just like i just like to ask um especially athletes of a certain age like you know how they you know figure you know figured out it existed like or were somewhat familiar with it because i used to see it on tv And then one day, um, riding my motorcycle, I saw this A-frame sign that said Roller Derby down, it was, um, it's Surfside still, um, it was off Scottsdale Road, so I was like, Roller Derby, fucking A, look at that, and then that's, I was like, okay, cool, and
0: then so mm. i actually but. grew up in okinawa japan and had limited access to normal oh. television growing up okay so, so i oh, interesting interesting things. upbringing in terms of like there are some not normal things that i think are probably normal <laughs> and so yeah i did oh, i had wow. a limited amount of exposure to television when i was really young okay right on yeah which was super cool way to
1: grow up yeah well especially like in in okinawa like i'm sure that was a cool last place to be
0: it was the experience i mean honestly we could do a a podcast just about that because i actually Mm. lived in okinawa two different times so i experienced it when i was young under the guides of my parents and then went back as a teenager and was kind of like with my friends and sort of off on my own and had these two very different experiences on the island but ultimately my dad was career army and I'm a military kid so I I grew up on bases all over the country and and again twice uh, two tours in Okinawa. All right so um, not You know,
1: not really typically living in one spot. Was roller derby going to be your first team-oriented sport?
0: Yes. I never played sports as a kid. And um, I kind of wish that I had, especially when I first started to get skating. And so once I was like, okay, I can roller skate. Now I can actually start playing derby and I can understand strategy and I can understand the mental aspects behind derby and all the lessons that come with it. I wish I had learned a lot of this stuff when I was younger. Um, Things about sort of sacrificing yourself for the good of the team. Lessons in trying really, really hard and then failing at something. Mm -hmm. Picking yourself up and moving forward. And so these for me were lessons I felt like I learned in Derby that I potentially could have learned as a child if I were involved in... um, organized sports but i there were i think there were a couple contributing things there my family moving around a lot obviously made it difficult to sort of pin anything down and then i was just kind of a weird kid so i never really picked anything that i wanted to do and my parents never pressured me really to to try anything so
1: yeah like um... so the
0: coffin draggers were the very first team that i was ever on yeah
1: that's that's really cool um <clears throat> another question i like to ask is growing up playing sports and whatever like it was just a an, you an, another thing for for me like something positive and stuff and like to quit drinking and have you but
2: and i've also noticed too like being a trainer um i feel like i need to ask that more because it's it is like you maybe have not learned these things yet so let's discuss how you're gonna feel along the way
1: absolutely if this trainer gets a little bitey at you you know if you didn't grow up with somebody doing that you know like i experienced that in training absolutely what does this mean like absolutely does this person really disapprove that much of what i'm doing Or is it more of a disapproval, but I want you to do it again to get it right? Like, I'm encouraging you at the same time, depending on how they're coming off. But if they don't have that kind of experience, it might come off weird. And especially if you don't, but I'm just, you know, because your coach growing up, you know, like he's going to, you did the play wrong, but he's not like that. He's, he's not like upset, upset with you. He just wants you to get it right, not get hurt, you know? poor execution equals injury shit like
0: that there's an advantage to learning that when you're a kid yeah (laughs) versus being told that you did something wrong as an adult Mm -hmm. um i think there's a little bit more pride there and there's a little bit of an inability to understand that it isn't personal it's not about you it's about the action that you're doing and so again when you learn that as a kid it makes it easier when you play sports as an adult. So myself and other people I've played derby with through the years were sort of learning these lessons as grown women. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I still don't run. Or I still don't walk on a patch of fucking grass.
1: Yeah, I just run on it. <laughs> you know, I'll hear my coach, my mom, you know, right. me in my head. Right. <clears throat> All right. So, you uh, had your your sketcher skates at the times of tryouts and for six months after that what did you get after you grew out of the sketcher skates
0: good Were... question um i don't know <laughs> to be totally honest if it weren't for cannibal corpse my second cool guy shout out of the day um i don't even know if i would have roller skates i think there's some people in our and i should be embarrassed to say this out loud but um, there are definitely people in our community that are, you know, sort of the gearheads, people who understand the mechanics of how everything works. They can really break things down. They understand who's making what, what equipment is good, and that's definitely never been my forte. However, Cannibal is amazing at that, and she has always guided me to what skates I should be using. In fact, I think she's texting me right now. What's up, Cannabell. Shout out to Cannabell. <laughs> <Cannabelle Corpse. clears
1: throat> we were talking earlier that uh she's always been like a real shit mixer.
0: Oh, Cannabell's a yeah. fucking maniac on wheels. <laughs> yeah, she's she's been an amazing inspiration. And uh, that's
1: another one of those names.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To, if you can get her on this show, man, I I would I would talk like to Cannabell all day. She's got a wealth of knowledge dope. and she's just a really interesting person, so she's kind of sassy right if you mm-hmm. know her you know she's I've, sassy
1: i don't know her too well but in my interactions with her and stuff like it was always really really positive because we'd get do those five on five like her you know right. the yeah. the lineup black and whites and shit like that and whatever well, you know we don't get down
0: she's a tough soft guy sorry for giving away your secrets Ken.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're uh they're a fucking awesome athlete so what was it like showing up to that first practice
0: Super intimidating. There were a whole bunch of rad skaters on the draggers when I first joined. And they were just badass bitches. And I did not know how to roller skate. And I had pink fucking wheels on my skates. <laughs> and so I, um, I felt a little out of place. Like I didn't belong there. And um, not that anybody necessarily made me feel that way but I just felt like I was super out of my league like what am I even doing here while the girls had practice I was sort of off to the side I had to sort of stay away from the girls who could skate so that I didn't kill them or myself and so um it was humbling you know everybody wants to be good at stuff and so showing up to practice and literally being terrible was um it was good fire for me though. It's, it's what got me to like where I ended up was the fact that I showed up. I thought this was really cool. I couldn't do it. And so I was determined to like make it happen.
1: Did, sure. you, did you attend any games prior to- Nope. Um, never okay, seen so, roller derby before okay i was just wondering if uh ginger nope. brought you out to a game or uh-uh. two, um, um, I, two i
0: had already joined by the time i saw a game and i was like holy shit, this is what i signed up for huh all no, right here so, we go <laughs> yeah, you're not
1: familiar with it you show up to this practice
0: this really was this was flat track yeah okay. and
1: back and in the castle the days. days oh yeah. right. okay yep. okay I was, assu- uh, you know, I was assuming so in my head, but I was just getting ready to ask you when this was at the castle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <clears throat> learning this, sk- you know, it was, probably was really tough learning the uh, new skills in the skates you showed up in. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, that um, that did not make life any easier for me. After getting decent
1: skates, like, was it? pretty much a night and day difference when you would do those plow stops or do those certain maneuvers you were learning at first in the garbage skates um
0: yes and no i think the skates definitely helped but more than that i started taking speed skating lessons
2: Uh, great
0: it was either great skate or skate land on one evening a week. And it was a kid's class. There's All nothing right. like getting Get down. your fucking ass kicked yeah. by a little eight-year-old in a unitard. little motherfuckers. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I joined a speed skating team. And it was like eight bucks a night. And it was two hours. And they taught you the fundamentals of skating. It didn't have anything to do with derby or hitting yeah, or yeah. Um, that. Is what propelled my skating. Honestly,
2: explains a lot of like Mm -hmm. how your style is. Speed skaters. Yep. Eight year olds.
0: My class was eight to twelve year olds, and then one weird old roller derby lady. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the kids were the kids were nice to me. Um, They they'd still smoke me though. It was it was humbling. Yeah, it was good, but that. For me made a bigger difference in my skating and i've always been a big advocate for when we get a new team or group of individuals that come to play derby we're really not doing them service by jumping right into the skills immediately um, having a foundation and someone teaching me the fundamentals of body positioning for fast skating benefited me tremendously. And if we could work that into Derby training programs, I think that it would help the longevity of Derby skaters' careers. It would potentially help prevent injury. Uh, knock on wood, I made it through 15 years of roller derby and never broke my leg and I never broke my arm. Just and, the slice at the uh, well, tournament? Slice, yeah, we <laughs> yeah, the slice that was pretty early.
1: Yeah, cuz we've had some speed skaters on the show before and um you could tell in their in their gameplay too like they they're speed skaters um in their the way they they stance out and stride out and everything mm-hmm. like that. And uh yeah, that's uh that makes a lot of sense now I put I put that together. Yeah. Um so these um these skaters in the early days who were the ones that you most admired when they would be
0: teaching these positional blocking skills and so the OG skaters were like mommy Chula, Sally Wacker, Celeste. Um, and then eventually it was Ellie Mayhem, Hollywood, Lady Lawless. Um, Phenomenal skaters, phenomenal competitors.
1: What were some of the hardest drills that some of your coaches and trainers would put you through as a new skater?
0: Um, I can think of one specific time that I wanted to die playing roller derby, and it was because of Tara Arma. <laughs> And I think it was my second time on a bank track. So in the early days of getting our track, when we transitioned from flat to bank track in 2010, L.A. invited us to come out for a weekend of bank track training, and it was led by Tara Armoff. We had sessions by different skaters throughout the day, but she was the main sort of facilitator of the training, I felt like my feet were bleeding in my fucking skates. I have never had such a hardcore day of just like wanting to skate out of the warehouse into traffic <laughs> and just fucking end the day. Five hours into the day, she looks at us really frustrated. We're all pieces of shit laying all over the track. And she was like, I thought you guys came out to play roller derby." Like, what, this taunting like what are we what are we doing and I just was so embarrassed and um I can't even tell you a single drill we did that day but it was a cu- uh, accumulation of drills that just were things that our bodies weren't used to doing I mean again we were going from flat track to banked which is different muscles and it's there's different speed and there's you know you're you're literally um, your right leg is sort of bent more than the left. So your your whole weight distribution, everything about what you're doing is different. You're trying to apply this thing that you're supposedly good at to something that's sort of new and foreign. And um, yeah, I wanted to throw my skates in the river and just like disappear into the woods, but <laughs> but I didn't. So... Tear arm Armoff, most hardcore chick I've ever met. What was it like... I haven't really
1: asked... I don't think I've asked anybody this yet. Especially a skater that I've always thought was the intimidating android robot. What was it like for you taking a body check for your first time wearing roller skates?
0: <laughs> oh, man. Um... Fuck! I got my clock cleaned like as much as I hit people, I felt like people hit me. And so um, what was tough is when I first started playing Derby, it was all hitting. That's all we did. We went out on the track and we Mm -hmm. smashed into each other while our jammer tried to skate around fast. And so in the early years, when people were throwing huge hits and trying to like knock you into next week, I was trying to keep my skates underneath me. So I felt terrified at games. I was absolutely just trying. I feel like my first couple years of Derby, I was literally on the track trying to survive.
1: See, for, for all of you, master myself (laughs) this this humanizes
0: yeah I told you big nerd big nerd
1: Um, it's always good to get a little insight on some of our favorite athletes here so uh, the genesis of the name Laura Stabs hmm
0: so oh man this is gonna date me the name laura stabs is a play off of a painkiller called laura tabs and they don't make them anymore it's kind of like saying a quaalude (laughs) you're like what the fuck is a people from the old days know what that is (laughs) people might know what a laura tab is Um, yeah so my name is Laura stabs from the painkiller Laura tabs and um, originally I actually had um, tried to register different names so when I first joined roller derby there was a registry for your name and it had to be approved so that way no one in the world would have the same roller derby name as you and so the very first name that I tried to register was hysterica and that was through to win evils, two evils, two yep. evils. And it was denied because some of girl. my plugged in. Oh for yeah, me. you're so good. Um, I'm a hand talker. So I almost unplug my <laughs> mic there kids. Um, yeah, so my name was denied and I had to submit another name and I think I submitted another name and that got denied too. And so Laura stabs was in an attempt to do something that was p- pretty obscure. Yeah Because uh, I thought Well shit If these names keep You know they're close to other names I want to pick something That nobody else is going to have And I also thought It would be kind of cool To not have A name that was Associated with my real name uh, When people meet me And they find out My name is Erica They don't understand Where <laughs> Laura Stabs came from right. I've thought that Many many years Yeah people are like Your name isn't Laura And I'm like No 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 My name's Erica Um <laughs> I'd never really had a nickname before. And so I thought, I don't want it to be Erica. I want want to have like a nickname. Yeah, like a full ass other Yeah, like a nickname that is my other Derby personality. And when I figured out that Laura Stabs would give me the name Stabs, I thought, well, that sounds cool. And I'll have like a a knife thing. And it it goes with my new team because I was already on the draggers. Yeah. so it went well with my team's theme and and then i just ran with it yeah and the knife thing has been pretty fun
1: yeah i mean i always thought it was really cool like the uh coffin draggers always had the coolest names to me yeah death or dying like some like i was in previous interviews it was more of like a coincidence thing because there wasn't really like um a draft it at it, um, certain years Not right? in the early years No yeah.
0: They kind of just Put they you on teams They were like on you're teams. here You're here Yeah yeah That's what
1: Dolly said And like a couple others if, And then uh, something it.
2: about interviews There might have been interviews To like about your personality To put you on Yeah teams. I don't know
0: It sort of feels like know. You know throughout the years Since the beginning Depending on who's in charge We've kind of done things completely different like last year we did it like this but this year we're doing this and next year these people are in charge and so they've decided to do it different and so it's been i feel like one of the best and probably worst things about derby is that we kind of get to make this up as we go along so there's a lot of creativity there there's a lot of opportunity there but it's also hard because you're creating structure and organization and and i mean there's so many of us and and we're all You know, pretty wild in some way, and so the sort of untamed, right? For sure.
1: On this new journey into the roller derbies, did you have the support from your family and friends that weren't a part of the game?
0: I mean, yeah, I definitely my family; they were super on board. Um, For the first ten years, I think after a while, they were kind of over it. (laughs) I mean, not that you know they weren't supportive, but like. My dad used to fly out and come to games all the time. Um, and that was super awesome. But, you know, after like the 200th game, it's like, yeah, kid, we can't come out anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, but yeah, my family's always been super supportive. I've gotten a lot of my well, not a lot, but those friends that I was able to keep, I sort of got involved in Derby. So, like, I had a really good friend who's a tattoo artist. She's drawn a bunch of logos for the league throughout the years. Uh, Grant is one of my best friends in the world. He was the AZDD medic for, I don't know, 10 years. He currently is uh, bench coaching for the Coffin Draggers. Mm, and yes. so I just tried to get the people that I cared about involved in the league so that I could keep them
1: yeah right on so i mean that's one of the cool things about about roller derby we mentioned it uh last week with coyote it will hopefully positively uh consume your life like enough to where you could bring people into it and like hey you know like this is this cool ass shit i've been doing like come check this out that's and like, the dream oh, yeah <clears throat> i want to get involved in that too see these we are uncovering these these stories because it's always cool like um on who brought you in, or like who brought this person in, or that person in, and shit like that. I always, I always like to hear these things, cause roller derby's fucking awesome, everybody. If you're hearing this and you're looking to join it, look up your local league wherever you're at. Uh, roller derby's uh, pretty fucking cool. What position did you like
0: playing the most in roller derby? I like blocking. Blocking was my favorite. Jamming gives me a lot of anxiety. I was never able to get over that. Um, I would love to be a jammer. It seems super cool. Get through the pack, score some points for your team. But I just, um, I burn out as a jammer. And I feel like as a blocker, I like the mind fuck part of slowing jammers down and impeding their way and frustrating them yeah i just i don't know (laughs) is that sick is it sick to say that out loud admit that out loud that like the control part of the game um Mm -hmm. it just was really exciting to me and there might not be a ton of glory in being a blocker but i just i loved it i absolutely loved it um i also thought being a pivot was super fun um i'm hoping to see bank track utilize the star pass more but as i was leaving flat track in 2016 they were passing the star like maniacs if you didn't get lead you passed your star and so i like to pivot to take the star to catch that jammer because my sort of like intensity is great in small bursts and oh uh, yeah Yeah, so as long as I don't have to keep the star for a long time.
2: (laughs) Just give it to
0: me. I'll force that call off, and, you know, we'll call it a day.
1: When, um, who is that? Hold on. Sorry, I
0: lost my place here. Can I say that I just love your dog? I wish everyone could see this dog. Oh, Thank that you. little white one over there? Oh, that's, that's Mr. So- Kratos. Oh, what a babe. Mm-hmm. You guys are missing this dog. <laughs>
1: what venue was your first public game in? The castle. Can you... um maybe describe the uh, castle Sports Club for oh
0: man what a dump. what was your experiences <laughs> at
1: the castle Sports Club the castle's
0: staff? roof was leaking which doesn't make sense because it doesn't rain in Arizona so why there was always water leaking from the roof never made sense to me but it had a sport court floor and it was a, a hockey very obviously like a cheesy hockey practice space roller hockey. And you'd walk in and it definitely smelt like the inside of somebody's hockey bag, Um, but it was great, it was perfect, it was our home, it felt really raw, we put posters up and we put chairs around and in those early days since the game was pretty, I mean I'll say it, it was sloppy. Um, we were sliding all over the floor, the crash in, into the fans. <laughs> I, there was a time where I skated into the stands and my skate got wrapped inside a lady's purse and I was kicking her purse and everything inside of it was flying <laughs> everywhere. And <laughs> it was so perfect for like the beginning of the revitalization of roller derby, you know? And uh, it was cool to move on from it, but at the time, in that moment, it was exactly where we should be. For sure.
1: How was the transition to bank track from flat track?
0: Um, it was cool. I liked it. I was already dabbling a little bit in park skating. Um, you Just from my years of like being a skateboarder, I definitely felt comfortable just kind of showing up at skate parks and stuff even though I didn't really know what I was doing, um, I was really interested in sort of being at an incline. And so, when we knew we were going to Banked, uh, a handful of the draggers and I would go to the Wedge in South Scottsdale, and there's a box there that's got sort of banked edge, and we would kind of drop in on that, and we would work on crossing over. and. that was it was tantalizing it was exciting it was like oh my gosh this is like we're gonna have a whole circular track like this
1: yeah absolutely um because i remember my first time out there on the uh bank track you were one of the people out there showing us guys how to do it oh cool and i've always um referred to you as like my obi-wan kenobi <laughs> as far as like bank track because uh being someone who did park skate get got who was getting into it prior to getting out on the on the slope then you know being a skater that was um outside most of the time so always going up hills downhills this that and the other thing uh i got fucking dizzy as hell Mm. um and uh you were you were the one that was like just slightly turn your head like you told me this little tip and i quit and i stopped getting dizzy so i was like you've always uh have like know. a special place cool. for me well, as far as you know, you know getting into and being halfway decent at you know figuring out how bank track roller derby works out and then you know throughout the years the help of the other trainers that would lead us through that bank track one one before the scrimmages and stuff like that i've always been grateful that's for important. you guys
0: yeah well i'm glad i could do that for you um a big part of my bank track training was from California. So the San Diego Derby dolls and the LA Derby dolls um, were both just amazing resources for um, every year, for a handful of years, L.A. did a training called March Radness, where they had both uh, bank track and flat track, some of the best skaters in the world, would come and teach classes on how to skate on the bank track. And so I took as much notes as I could, and I brought that back to teach everyone I could, as much as I could, about derby. Because kind of, as I was saying in the beginning, I I want roller derby to last forever. I want everybody to be able to play derby. So it's not just about me getting better, it's about what I can sort of teach everybody so long after I'm gone, people are still playing the sport that we love so much.
1: When did you, your, um. Your uh, career goes goes here and into uh, Sacramento. Were you a trainer or anything while you were in Sacramento? Yeah, of course. Um, or any you know, and then and on any other level, because I know for that you have been with the dames and stuff. But you know, I'm just wondering if any other places you
0: absolutely. Um, it's so important for everybody in the league to do the jobs that the league requires to be able to move forward so i'm not going to be the finance person and i'm not going to be in charge of the warehouse but i do have an ability to break things down into small pieces and so i felt like even though i wasn't a phenomenal flat track skater that I had the ability to take the skills that I did understand and teach them to people that were just coming in. And so after getting my flat track skills in Sacramento, by the first year, by the second year, I was running some of the new skater training.
1: Master has uh, done some training roles within within Phoenix Roller Derby. Um, she's always. What were some of the challenges that you found being a skater and a trainer at the same time?
2: <laughs> and and a captain. And a captain. <laughs> you're like, trying to do all it that, all as well. and you're also right. trying to make sure you get yourself in there. As far as you need to work on those skills and improve on them as well, and to remind yourself that you should do the drill as well instead of running around coaching
0: everybody. I think that's probably the biggest hurdle for the person who is sort of in charge of the team, whether you're the captain or you're the team trainer, is you sacrifice your own skills and your own practice time for the benefit of everyone else on the team. And the truth is, I did the same thing when I was captain. And my own personal skills suffered so that the team could come up. I don't have good advice (laughs) on how to manage that other than when I brought in help. So the way that I ran my practices is I would actually have everyone from the team at the end of practice tell me the skills that we needed to work on to be better. I'm not going to tell you what you need. You're going to tell me. What we need.
2: Okay. And then
0: I would run some drills, write drills ahead of time based on those concepts. Then I would get someone, ideally the same person, and for a while we did have bombs um, running our practices for us. So once practice started, my trainer part was over and I could hand that to Bombs and I could get on the track and actually practice myself because you you can't be off skates and be getting better at Derby. You can't be in the middle, blowing the whistle, telling people what they need to do and, and what they're doing well and get better at your own skills. So you have to find a way to get that track time in or start showing up to someone else's practices. So maybe you run your own practices as the trainer and then you show up to another team's practice as the skater. But if you're not getting that skater time in, I promise your skills are diminishing. For sure. While you're helping build oh, other for sure. people up. Yeah. Which Yeah, you know, really is which is yeah, it's not fair,
2: and why I ended up stepping back as captain because I'm like I need to I need to work on myself.
0: I also think that there needs to be kind of an unspoken or maybe it needs to be spoken rule in Derby that you only get one job, and I was guilty of this from 2009 to 2012. I had a lot of jobs in the Derby dames, and looking back on it. I probably didn't do that as much of a service as i thought i was because i could have done one of those jobs really well but i was doing four jobs probably okay
2: right right for sure
1: yeah it's a overextension um and burning yourself out which uh is ultimately sometimes the real bummer for a lot of roller derby athletes.
0: Well, I think it's important that you said burning yourself out because I think a Mm -hmm. lot of people will say, like, I'm burnt out of roller derby. Well, you're burning yourself yourself out because you haven't set the boundaries that Mm -hmm. you need to set to make derby healthy. And I feel like a lot of us who fall in love with derby – don't know how to set those boundaries or don't set those or don't know that we need to set a boundary between our personal lives and where derby lives and derby is not our personality it's not everything that we are and how to give enough to derby but also maintain who you are without it because one day it ends and that's why we have our
1: local retired legend series happening with laura stabs and others <clears throat> what was the um tryout for the hot shots roster like
0: shit i don't i don't know <laughs> they were like stabs get over here you're running this shit and you um, were just bam i was like yeah travel totally. team yeah Um, They are like, hey, stabs, put on these gold LeMay booty shorts. And I was like, (laughs) do I fucking have to? And they're like, yeah, do you want to be on this team? And I was like, yeah, so here, give me the fucking shorts. So that's all it took. Yeah, I mean, in the early days, things were sort of less formal at times. Because at some points, we only had enough people for like one roster does that make sense yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah and it was pretty clear Absolutely. cut like it, could you travel okay cool you're on the team <laughs> right. and so um i think as time went on tryouts got a little bit more tryouty. but i was managing the training team and i was a trainer and, I, and my team was uh the championship team and so a little bit by default i think i kind of kind of got in there, which I don't know if that's fair or not fair, but I mean, I, you know, I don't think I would, at any point was the best skater on the hot shots, but I, I worked really hard to earn and keep my spot on the team while I was there. You kept your place at the
1: table for how many seasons with them?
0: Shit. I couldn't even tell you. Cause I, I always saw
1: your <laughs> face on that uh, new roster that would come out every year. Yeah. You know, I was like, there she is. But, yeah. There's the face. Um, During uh leading into game days. Did you have any rituals or routines to get you ready?
0: Oh, man. I had, like, such an unfortunate game day ritual, which usually involved me getting up and going to work. Oh, um, I'm a hairstylist, and so you yes. kind of know when you sign up for that career that you've just forfeited every Saturday for the rest of your life. And so I worked something out with my boss, who at the time was, you know, really cool about it. He, I would come in work for a couple of hours, take a few clients, and then typically um, Shelly and I would do a bunch of running around for the team. Uh, Peanut Butter Shelly Time was my right-hand person. She was the weirdo in the mascot uniform sideline benching for us for quite a few years. And um, man, I just feel like we wouldn't have even been successful without that banana. (laughs) She was just an intricate like part of helping the team be organized like she always made sure we had water she got us pre-workout she was helping me um at the time we were catering the locker room to make sure everybody was eating well I mean she just she was DJing the locker rooms and so um any chance I could do something rad with Shelly before the game I always felt better. So typically she would bring me to games and um, she also had a game day ritual with me where she would carry pictures of my cats. And so if I was at a moment where I was getting upset or I had a temper, Shelly would show me these pictures and be like, look at these cats, look at them. And so that that was probably my favorite roller derby ritual ever was like Shelly, her clipboard, And the cats.
1: Fuck yes. Yeah, it was
0: good.
1: (laughs) During those days, I kinda recall as a fan, during the uh, team intros, you guys would take a lap. Did you do i can't you know, did you have any kind of specials? I was always showing up to the games late, but did you have a special thing? I, I
0: hated the fucking intro. I was always convinced that like during my cool guy moment i was going to fall (laughs) Mm, yes (laughs) uh and i don't i don't know why but um as the captain i got to take my lap last which was always really cool and i sort of just remember kind of throwing my hands in the air and uh early days it was probably a middle finger and then when they were like hey stabs you can't do that anymore then it was like you know sign of the beast okay we'll make this pg for the kids um, because the league definitely cleaned up a lot from the, the early... penalty wheel? Well, well we never had a penalty, penalty wheel, but we days. did have some shenanigans stuff in the early days where, um, things that absolutely would not be allowed nowadays. And, and I'll say that the early day stuff, it was done in good fun, but, um, I think that... It, some of it could be deemed as poor sportsmanship. Yes. Specifically flipping everyone off all yeah. the time, including the refs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the abuse <laughs> us
1: referees. At I the mean, time it's used to all take.
0: in good fun. And the fans loved it. The fans loved it. And I think sometimes we forget that we don't have a game without them.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it was always there's there's a fine line between that good fun, you know, being a pro wrestling fan and shit and having like a player heckle you or like even as a player, like having having a fan heckle you and shit like that. There's a fine line between heckling and just being mean. too. Agreed.
0: Absolutely. You know, because. Absolutely. And, and you both have to be in on it. And I think that yes. that's that's the deal is when you're both in on it it's okay when one of you isn't then 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 it's bullying then it's inappropriate then it's yeah know.
1: because if you're you're say your league referee knows like they're kind of like knows your gimmick a little bit if you're like a heel anyways and like back in those days like there were your heels and your baby faces out there on the 100%. Track.
0: I, I thought it was great when i first joined derby and i started to sort of learn about kind of the history of sort of the good guys and the bad guys i absolutely thought that was great and sort of decided early on ooh I'm a bad guy
1: you were the heel
0: I'm a bad guy <laughs> cause how fun is that? And how often in life are you actually cheering for the bad guy, right? You're not. Yeah. You don't you don't cheer sure for the bad pro guy pro
1: wrestling sometimes in, in pro
0: wrestling because it's the escapism that mm-hmm. allows us to kind of like cheer for that person. And so I decided early on if we've got bad guys, that's <laughs> I want to do that. That's yeah. like fun.
1: So you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, um, not so in so many words, but some sometimes it's not good to live your gimmick off of the track. It's good to have that separation. So, like, your gimmick on the track, cool, like, separate it a little bit. Because we can get wrapped up in it. Because at games, no one ever fucking came up to me and said, Hey, Patrick, you're playing a good game of roller derby. They've always said, Hey, Boogeyman. So, maybe some of us that's heard that throughout the years, you know, fans come up to you this or that that can kind of melt into i'm living my gimmick so new skaters be aware of that um don't live your gimmick too hard right um all right what else have we got here uh the bout fits some of these bout fits the coffin draggers would wear pretty intricate getting off that late on a saturday sometimes or working on a saturday When did you find time to get into that outfit? That's a great question.
0: I can't tell you how many times I have been absolutely panicked (laughs) trying to get five pairs of stockings on. Because that was kind of my deal, is I want to wear a lot of stockings because it made me feel... um, not exposed and sort of like kept together, if that makes sense. Track burn is a real thing. And track burn is a real thing. So, and I never wanted my rear end hanging out. I'm I'm definitely never been that kind of skater. So I have been off work late and absolutely in a panic trying to get seven pairs of stockings on, just like almost in tears, just freaking out. So my bout makeup started with, you know, taking time to do, like, makeup and make it look nice to literally having Cannibal pour a handful of blood in her hand and just throw it right at my face and be like okay cool we're ready let's go skate oh my god i'm here i have blood on my face i just drank uh some rage juice and i'm ready to who are we playing tonight i don't even know where we are right now but but i came to skate and i came to skate hard oh fucking a i will say though there were a couple of years and and not a lot of people know this so um There were a couple of years that I wore some big-ass skirts. I was hiding hockey shorts. I had fallen on the track so many times on my left hip that I was starting to get to a place where in 2010 and 11, I thought I was going to have to quit playing because if I fell on my hip one more time, I just felt like I physically couldn't get up anymore i could not fall on my hip again
1: so, so hockey shorts like the full-on uh, girdle the plastic uh, hard padded girdle
0: uh no so they're kind of like they're like booty shorts but they've literally got like mm-hmm. a fist size pad all over them and i took the pads in the front out to try to make them less bulky but i had pads on the sides of my hips and on my rear end. Yeah, so yeah. So you
1: just had like the like the quarter jacks and ditties, not like the full like exactly. leg, yep. the leg actions with the pads here and
0: here. Exactly, and that way you couldn't see them under the skirt. Yeah. So I was like, ah, yeah, we're in a big frilly skirt when we're kind of starting off, Like we were phasing that out at the time, but I was like, you know, I don't give a shit because I don't hurts. I don't really want to show the hockey shorts, but also I I really can't play right now without them. i I'm I'm like desperate. I, I started, uh, seeing a doctor who was giving me injections in my hip and, oh, wow. oh man, it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. So, and throughout
1: certain rule changes, especially like in flat track and shit too. Um, over the years, you can't have any sort of pad that's like hard plastic like that either. Cause right. that hockey shit's made to take a projectile, you know, or a slam into the boards into a hard, hard surface, you know? So if you're, those things are kind of like half plastic. They're kind of hard, you know, like especially the ones that go down your legs and shit. So you can't have that because it's gonna right. hurt another player. Well, it's mine, Something that's mine
0: were just cushion, so they were just to protect me. Oh, okay. So, so they're not, probably
1: similar to these these uh, pants that I wear. I wear like the um like a old school football girdle with exactly, the thick pants.
0: Yeah, they're like like squishy. Okay, so yeah, so not yeah. hard, but like basically just like bubble wrap okay yeah
1: because mine are pretty pretty stiff but they're not hard like plastic because you can't have anything that's oh, like protruding yeah, no. plastic yeah and like
0: foam no i wouldn't want to anyway not with and my history of being like the clumsiest derby player <laughs> that ever skated on the pink track <laughs> What
1: are some of the best derby adventures? Maybe these adventures include a small stuffed rabbit.
0: Oh, crazy. We could just talk about crazy for the rest of the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Tell our audience a little bit of the legend of crazy rabbit, the legend of crazy. It's like, where do you even start with him? Um, how did he become a thing? where'd you get him
0: okay so I was dating a gentleman who had full custody of his daughter and we had a super serious relationship where we moved in together and all of a sudden I came responsible for this young little girl's life and I was looking for ways to kind of bond with her and I actually was taking uh like parenting classes at the time I was feeling really just frustrated I was young I was like 21 years old and I didn't know what to do I was super frustrated and I got her, we got her a bike and she didn't like her bike and then you got her roller skates and she didn't want to ride those. And so I talked to my counselor. I said, I don't know what to do with this kid. And they said, well, what does she want to do? And I said, she wants to play with fucking dolls. And the counselor's play with dolls. Oh like with that's dolls. pretty simple. I don't want to do that, I don't like Barbies. That's not my gig. I'm not really like that. So I uh, got past myself and I found this little, kind of ugly. I got him at the dollar store from being totally honest. One eye pointed one way, one <laughs> eye pointed the other way. And I brought him home and I was like, ah, his name is crazy and he does crazy stuff. And we started telling stories about crazy and her and I bonded and it was like this bridge that brought her and i together and so we started making outfits for crazy and we started making up adventures about crazy we took him places like if we went to the mall crazy came with us and eventually we had people who uh were traveling and we would let him go to different countries and so her dad and i broke up and at first we were sharing custody of crazy and obviously that got weird after a while (laughs) so uh yeah they they sort of moved they ended up moving to hawaii and they're doing amazing and um i kept crazy and introduced him to roller derby when i came into roller derby and People took to him. They thought it was funny. They thought it was awesome. They were. Some people don't get it. They're like, I don't. I don't get it. What is this thing? And I'm like, Well, I, I, it's not like I can explain it to you. It's, it's
1: just, like a flat Stanley, yeah, but a rabbit. Yeah, it's with a with outfits.
0: Yeah, he's a stuffed animal. He, he travels around, and you know, it, it was funny because one of my favorite things about Crazy was I, I like to hand him to people and then take pictures with him, and that was one of the things that I was sort of doing was I was going to get all these people holding crazy and I would hand crazy to someone and their imagination their creativity would create this like weird moment people would pose with him. people would make him drink people would unfortunately shove him down their pants you know it just inspired people to basically be childlike immature and silly and i just fucking thought that was just the coolest thing in the world and so it got way out of control i um obsess about things that i'm into and so I couldn't just send Crazy to Spain. He had to have a frilly dress. I couldn't just send him to Columbia. He needed to have like a Tony Montana shirt. I couldn't just <laughs> send him to Texas. He needed a cowboy hat and a freaking belt with the buckle on it. And so it was funny. I would give him to someone, finally get someone to agree to take him somewhere. And thinking, like, they're just going to take this small stuffed animal. And when I would show up, it would be crazy in all his outfits (laughs) and a bag. And he's got these accessories. And make sure you get a picture of this with that. And people are like, oh, fuck, what have I gotten myself into? But um, it, it just, again, it was a great sort of opportunity to just be immature. Just to be childlike. Just to... I don't know be kind of silly and kind of weird and I started to play it really fast and loose with the people that I gave him to Um, I felt like he's not doing me any good sitting at home on a shelf I might as well get the word out that he's traveling and if you're going anywhere please take him hold him up take a picture put him back in your bag and bring him back and so I was literally letting him go all over the world and unfortunately in 2000 Thirteen, I gave him to a league mate, she took him to London and he fell out of her bag. And so he got lost at Buckingham Palace. And I don't know if you know the area, I've actually never been, but of course, as soon as crazy went missing, I went into total freak out mode and I did a bunch of research about the area and I contacted a bunch of businesses and I reached out to people and did everything I could to find him it's a bazillion people area i mean yeah. it's an area with tons of businesses and tons of people there thousands and thousands of people are walking through the area every day so the chances of finding him slimmed as days and days went by and we never found him which is oh, kind of a bummer but also you know it was cool while it lasted and yes absolutely it was it was fun and um some, someone in Sacramento, mm. was still to this day, I have no idea who it was, uh, after Crazy Got Lost, I went to practice weeks later and um, I put my skate bag down and I went to use the restroom and I came back and there was a little bear sitting on my bag and it said like, I need a good home and I'm up for an adventure. Mm. I fucking sobbed. If you know anything about me, I am so fucking emo. I was, I got my bag and I was like, oh my god, I gotta go home because. <laughs> It was like the nicest thing anyone, mm. this is so sweet, I gotta, I can't, this is, my league mates can't see me cry, I gotta get the fuck out of here. So I think I mispracticed that day, they called me later, they're like, where the fuck were you? I'm like, I, I can't talk about it, I, we gotta let this go. I so, gotta get out of here. Yeah, I'm like, I can't let anybody know mm. that I'm this upset about crazy, but it just, it was sad, because it was like the end of the era, we were doing a thing, I had talked about using the stories to write a book, and you know, and and... It was still that connection to his daughter. It was still, you know, even though we turned it into something else, it yeah. started out as this thing that, oh, it fucking sucked. It yeah, was punched me in the stomach, and I didn't. Absolutely. Had I known that that was gonna turn out like that, I, you know, I could have done things a little different. But that's life. Not everything's turning out the way you want it to, and so hopefully Crazy's in London somewhere. He's at a bar, entertaining the the local people. He's got a fake accent.
1: Yeah, maybe some maybe somebody picked him up and he got left in a pub, and then the pub person working just set it behind
0: there. You'll you'll never know. I've had a couple people show up to the area to look for him. Grant specifically being one of them. Yeah yeah so, yeah yeah so Le- we're, we're still out there like and the legend
1: of crazy continues so if you're in london and you're hearing this <laughs> check out some of them local spots maybe he's up there on the tacked up on the bar somewhere <clears throat> and uh email the show uh what's the email address oh o- yeah o-f-u-t-b O-F- yep at gmail.com yep
2: podcast up. podcast o-f-u-t-b
1: podcast
2: yes at gmail
1: Alright, so a lot of us have had a lot of personal growth when we found uh, the sport of roller derby. How did you find... What kind of personal growth did you find that was coming to you outside of roller derby?
0: Holy shit. Um, I opened a business. I've been a career hairstylist since my early 20s. And... um, You know, I talked about opening a salon. I think a lot of hairstylists do. It's kind of the, it's the dream, you know, to be able to create the space that you get to work in. But I think that joining Roller Derby gave me the skills and the confidence to go forward with opening the business. I think had I not learned so much about myself and learned so much about my own personal resilience that I might not have taken that risk. And so seven years later, actually we just are celebrating our seven year anniversary. The salon is doing amazing. And I, I feel like I, in a big way, have the lessons I learned in roller derby and through roller derby and the people that I met through roller derby to um, I have them to thank for for all of it
1: and what is the name of the salon that you're talking about (laughs) please please um, (laughs) shout it out and let let everybody know if it's appointment only or where they can reach you here locally to maybe find a new stylist oh
0: yeah 100% why wouldn't I shout out my own salon Um, so fantastic unisex salon we do gender neutral pricing And we're located downtown Phoenix. You can find us online at arcanehairparlor.com. You can also check out our work on Instagram. And I have eight extremely talented stylists that work with me who all specialize in different skills. So again, get on our Instagram. If you are looking for a new salon and you're in the Phoenix area, um, it's just such a cool experience. The salon is kind of gothy. I bring my cats pretty often so my cats will be there to bother you. Um it's it's just phenomenal.
1: Master and I were um we're talking before, before like a few days leading up to this uh that we're going to have to go down and take some photos for the show and post
0: them on our Instagram and shit like that. I would love to have you guys down um, We're open 7 days a week now so you can roll by the salon anytime.
1: So we'll come in and get some uh, some publicity type of photos for you guys and shit because that's part of the reason why i started doing this show because a lot of us you know live like so fucking differently outside of roller derby and you know the power within roller derby that some of us has found to start businesses myself has started this podcast because i just chattered about it a little bit and i go well i gotta fucking put up or shut up now there you go you know roller derby kind of led me back down that road of being that tenacious type of athlete that i once was before i was a fucking alcoholic and shit like that it challenged me to be different And uh, this has challenged me to do that. So, again, part of the reason why, like a lot of us, you know, a lot of you guys, business owners, this, that, and the other things. So to have you guys on is an honor to me because I get to put over your guys' hard work and hopefully get patrons in the door. Shout out to uh, Dolly De Los Muertos as well for sponsoring the program, being a part of the roller derby community and supporting this program as we're here to support you guys as well.
0: Oh yeah, she's incredible. Dolly is actually one of the people that I consider like a personal life mentor. She's incredible. We have a, a long backstory we could do. Whole, weird we could do a whole podcast about how rad dolly Taylor <laughs> right we, we that's ha- was like we've done a podcast yeah. and we've had we need to on. do just more yeah I'm like, let's get a bunch have- of people on the show to s- tell cool stories <laughs> about dolly like the episodes, the dancing yes. with the gravy incident roller con whatever year that was um so
1: mentioning roller con what were some of the uh, coolest um events and bouts that you participated in oh, man. Roll at, um, at RollerCon. because when was your first one let's start there who knows was God, it when I I could it <laughs> was on fremont it was on the concrete stone oh or you know what was that your first one or were you so, after that
0: so we were headed to fremont um we're literally driving there we were pulling up to the strip this would have been my first game playing with we called ourselves the lady Lux at the time that mm-hmm. was pre- Hot shots. And I, we got a message as we were rolling on to like Las Vegas Strip that the other team had forfeited and they didn't want to play us. And we went all the way to Vegas to play and didn't get to play. It was so I can't believe this is happening right now so um i'm not even sure that that no that was roller con who knows like the early days were so blurry Yeah, because i remember i um, wasn't
1: there because my first one was in 2011 and
0: uh, my second one was 2012. i think my first might have been 2009, 2009 or 2010. i'm not sure um but typically my RollerCons were about cannibal Cannibal is, like, we just buddied up. We'd get a room together. Um, We had a hot plate. We were making oatmeal in the room and doing French press in the morning. We hung up pictures of our animals on the walls. (laughs) Like, we... We had costumes for every, g- she did a phenomenal job at signing us up for bouts. In fact, she had me in some bouts and I'm like, "Cannibal, what the fuck am I doing here? Look like, yeah, oh like, at oh, this roster. I'm like, oh, there's a fucking A level game. Dude, <laughs> dude why <laughs> am I here? <laughs> so,
1: um, So how would Cannibal gas you up? Hold on. not to cut you off. Um, oh, no. You're so sure. I just don't forget. How would Cannibal gas you up to participate in these A level games if you were worried about them? Well,
0: my name would just be on the roster, and she she'd just be, be like, like "Dude, get, get a fucking get outfit," and I'm like, "Okay." And
1: that's all the gassing that, up, you yeah. Mean. That's okay. all. That's
0: it. Cannibal says, "Show up," and you fucking show up, and. Um, So yeah, she had us signed up for tons of games. We would participate in the parties at night. So you know, we'd show up with two suitcases full of costumes and all kinds of weird shit. And in the early days, we would try to balance, you know, skating and and drinking. And um, obviously, like as time went on, the drinking got sort of less important and the skating a little bit more. Um, But I haven't been in quite a few years you know um mm-hmm. as a lot of us are sort of retiring from derby and falling away from it um roller Con is definitely for skaters it's for the skaters like it would be cool to go to some of the parties and stuff but i feel like if all of the skaters from back then weren't there it just it wouldn't be the same you know right yeah the
1: uh the skate park shit that happens is pretty dope. Like the um the the outdoor shit, my friend Jay leads up and everything like that. Um, vertical Jay does all that shit, so that'd be kind of cool. I mean, like it's tough not being a pr- primarily a whiffed skater or a uh, you know an MRDA style skater. Even though I am still I am diving back into it. Um, m- participation at RollerCon for me, being a USARS athlete, like couple of years ago before COVID hit, like we had our tickets and I was like, what kind of fucking
0: USARS games are gonna be there? Like, I guess it's changed now, but. <clears throat> well, it used to not even have a bank track and now it, there's yeah. consistently, there's been a bank track there's, for like quite a few years that's now. That's what I and mean so because- Things change kind of year to year. Um, and then of course, you know, the nature of COVID sort of changed everything. But I think the gals who are running or the people who are running RollerCon are doing a great job at trying to cater to what people are looking for. You want yes. classes? We'll give you classes. Right. You want bank track? Yeah, here's the fucking bank track. Do whatever with it. You want USARS? If there's another enough people asking for it, mm-hmm. they'll bring it. Because. The year that we had tickets, there was
1: uh, more bank track stuff going on. So like, you know, like I said, you know, not really doing with this stuff for many years. I was like, okay, well, at least there's going to be RCDL shit that I could do. Cause uh, like it's similar. Yeah. I know how to do it. You know, like whiffed out and like fuck i'm playing I'm like oh, look at these rosters right you know i would have been in the same situation you just mentioned right even though like i've done it before on a, on somewhat of a higher level and played with probably a lot of those names
0: yeah but it gets kind of weird when, weird when you don't understand like the full rule sets in those yeah. situations i still feel like roller con's great for any skater just jump into the black and whites so you put a black shirt on, you put a white shirt on and you go get on your side and you sit next to somebody who's friendly and you ask questions and you just kind of learn in games that don't really matter. That don't matter. Yeah, That's what I was telling Yeah. this is so black master. and white pickup. Yeah. And I've just met some of the nicest people. Like I told you guys earlier, I was at RollerCon sitting in a similar style scrimmage, black and white. And the girl next to me was just the nicest person ever and she gave us a quick plan of what we were going to do and she went out there and jammed. and. It was fucking miracle whips. Miracle whips. Like, just sitting next to me, just being cool, just telling me how to play roller derby. It was like, damn, dude. Who knew that, like, 10 years later, she would go on to be, like, you know, training some of the best teams in the world right now. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, shit's wild. Like,
1: because that would have been my first year roller con uh, playing in it, because the first two years I was a media. Mm -hmm. So, like, I wasn't playing in it. I was just doing the outdoor park shit with all of those cats in 2012 and uh being the co-creator of that massive outdoor uh strip skate the annual strip skate that Mm. happens to this day like me and Rhea cycler are like the co-creators of that which is pretty cool being from arizona it's got an arizona connection yeah right it started out as a joke too i don't know if you knew that no but yeah we started it uh the year before we saw so many people from arizona just like skating the strips in small groups and stuff like that so we were like we're gonna just kind of jokingly start an event for 2012 and before we knew it there was 300 and 300 some odd people RSVP'd to this underground ass event like it was meet behind the Riviera in that fucking shady ass alley Mm -hmm. that was back there by the parking garages and shit and uh just go go skate and it still happens to this day so shout out to everybody who still participates in that that's phenomenal. so like yeah we um that so like yeah that's uh that's pretty cool roller con's a badass thing but yeah like i was saying um this was going to be our first year competing and i was like yeah the black and whites we can
0: also the classes are, are great those They've are got some phenomenal
1: oh trainers. i totally yeah, want to go
2: classes now well, i think classes. they're doing some like business classes too. oh
1: even better that's so awesome. yeah yeah because hey like i said all of, a lot of us have started businesses throughout the years. And just, you know, again, like maybe that was the power that we never knew that we were going to find within ourselves making that purchase, that first initial purchase of those roller skates, going to that first initial practice, feeling that nervousness, going and pulling up to that first practice. So with our retired athlete here, When did you decide to stop competitively playing?
0: Uh, COVID. COVID made me quit. And I just decided not to go back. Um, I had to stop just like everybody else when, you know, in March of 2020 when everything started to get weird and we had to distance from each other. And so I started park skating a little bit more and I started doing a bunch of other stuff. I started to kayak and I found snow skiing. And when Derby came back, I realized that I was kind of over it in a lot of ways. Um, my experience coming back to AZDD, as much as I knew that it wouldn't be like it was before when I left, um, it just didn't do enough for me to sort of keep me like wanting to skate so i decided not to come back
1: and sometimes you know mentioned last week with coyote um if your heart's not in it you're gonna get hurt absolutely and that's the time to call it quits absolutely
0: and i didn't want to show up with a bad attitude that too if you have a bad attitude about Derby and about being at Derby, go the fuck home. Mm-hmm. Don't bring your bad attitude and your bullshit to Derby and and to be honest, like, I think in a lot of ways, I was just over it and it's time to know when to walk away. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to walk away with some grace and not burn out, not get bitter, not get injured. would you do it again which part of it everything
1: (laughs) would you do it all again
0: um if you had your chance yeah absolutely i would do it again i wish i found derby younger that was the only thing that sucked is i was you know already an old lady by the time i found roller derby and i see these young gals that are coming in i'm jealous I'm jealous that I didn't find Derby earlier. I'm a little jealous that I spent so many years lost doing other bullshit when I could have been doing Derby younger, and I could have been potentially better at it and more successful at it. So I feel very thankful that I found it when I did. And absolutely, I would do it again. Um, It has 100% destroyed my body. However, (laughs) it has given me some of the best memories that I have. Some of the greatest relationships I've ever made. Some of the highest highs I've ever had and the lowest lows I've ever had. And it's it's absolutely 110% helped shape who I am now. And I'm just not even sure who I would be if I went back and didn't do derby.
1: I probably wouldn't be sitting before you without it
0: i i mean i agree derby definitely got me i would have away from the bar yeah absolutely yeah
1: so you touched a little bit about going to some skate parks your first drop in was at the wedge early on you know not really you know in my opinion the best park what would be your best local park to shred at
0: Um, I like Desert West. Fuck yeah. Desert West is my favorite, but um, you kind of can only go during the mornings because later in the afternoons, it gets really, really crowded, and then at night, it kind of turns into a teenage hangout. It gets weird. It gets super weird. And the other downside to Desert West, and this is kind of unfortunate. I feel like sometimes this happens when... You don't know how lucky you are to have a skate park. I hate to be the person that's like, well, when I was a kid, we didn't have shit. But when I was a kid, we didn't have shit. We had to legally
1: ride and get chased by security, sometimes fought with.
0: And kicked out of everywhere. And growing up as a kid on base, MPs, the the military police on base, could and would confiscate things that we built. You could build a box on base and it wasn't yours. It belonged to the military because it was on base. And the cops would come by and just fucking ruin it because they could. And so these kids have these parks, these beautiful skate parks, and I'll go and the bowl will be full of glass, or the park will be full of trash. Mm-hmm. and it's heartbreaking that things just they' they by some they're not valued in the way that I wish that they were,
1: yeah, and it absolutely gives because um whatever kind of like action sport you're into like that's something that's you know looked at as you're doing it on a toy whether it be roller skates or a skateboard or whatever you know we have these places and not all of us are fucking trashing them um yes there are those that give us very bad names out there and you know, if you stumble upon this part of the po- podcast, please don't do that, because um, not a lot of us are fortunate enough to have a ramp in our back fucking yard, either, so uh, don't fucking trash it for everybody I'm, else.
0: I really think it's the minority. it's a bummer.
1: It's a really... Yeah, it is a, a bummer. bummer. There's those few people, like, fucking, uh, what was it, Union Hills? What were they doing over there, Master? They were, they were
2: like, if uh, it was closed, I drove all the way this from was here just to there. Aww. And then it was closed and the lady was saying something like, people keep breaking in and trashing it. And she's like, if they don't stop, they're just going to turn into a splash pad.
1: Yep. (laughs) Union Hills of all places. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parks. And that's uh, a great park. Yeah. Um, It's really mellow and everything. uh, But yeah, it could, it very well could be in jeopardy of becoming a splash pad. So please Mm -hmm. stop you very few cocksuckers out there (laughs) that are (laughs) trashing the parks out there um what what are some uh what are some of the tricks that you kind of do on a run at the park
0: um i like big air tricks so i'm not as technical of a skater as i am flashy i like big fucking air jumping the table
1: over at big tempi just
0: as big as i can get as high as i can jump as Far as I can jump. So, while a lot of other skaters have worked on perfecting their footwork or they've worked on coping stuff, I just want to jump over absolutely everything.
1: I'll have to show Master a few of those pictures over, like I said, at Big Tempe, of you leaping the uh, table that's there.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I definitely didn't make it completely over the table, but I was, <laughs> <they're fucking laughs> I pictures, was trying dude. for a that's while. A, yeah. That's a
1: wide table to try to launch off of that kicker right there, and Master's been to that park, so if she can kind of visualize like how that kicker goes to make it over
0: that table, it's... And yeah, I've, seen, I've seen
2: some of the videos from Desert West and, and the uh, cones West and things you put up and yeah. launch yourself over. It
0: feels really fucking dangerous, I'm not going to lie, but I don't know, I think that's probably the part that really attracts me to it, is like, it, I'm, I'm scared. It's fucking scary, yeah. what, what I'm doing out there every time I jump. It's, you know, I'm really pushing my body to physically go as, as far or as high as I can. <clears throat> and coming down wrong on concrete there's you know oh yeah so little forgiveness there um but to have that healthy fear though is what pushes oh, you I to do it, it. <laughs> i love it so much and i think that you know as, as i've gotten older I, i'm definitely more conservative um, when I'm skating a lot, I will push myself further and harder. And when I'm not skating a lot, I'm not going to show up at the park and try to pull huge, big air tricks. For sure. so, a huge
1: 180 out of the bowl, like six months off. Yeah, like, yeah, fuck exactly.
0: It. Um, and, fuck it! <laughs> and unfortunately for the last like six months to a year, I haven't been on my skates a lot. And so I wouldn't go to the park right now.
1: Well, we're going to be riding really mellow ramp over at Castle Sinclair later. So, um, you're going to be getting in on some of that, uh, master. You got anything else about skate? Oh, what parks did you find to be a certified piece of shit?
0: Fucking Pecos. Is that a park? It's still apart, <laughs> Fuck there's that, no shade
1: there, it's still, <laughs> yeah. Wide. Like,
0: we're, I'm standing under a tree in the grass on my roller skates because I'm way over there fucking burning up in the sun. Um, also, Cannibal and I she came into town and we did a little tour of some of the skate parks locally. I don't know what I was thinking, she's on a skateboard sometimes, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I've done that before, I do get on a skateboard board, so I took my skates off and I got on a skateboard and if I did not eat shit fucking immediately and fell right on that hip that same (laughs) hip that's just been screaming at me for the last you know 10 years um fuck Pecos (laughs) there's also another park I heard about a new park quotes uh in the middle of phoenix because i live downtown phoenix and there's no parks around me and so there's a park on i want to say oak and 32nd street i rolled up to that park and kept driving
1: i know i know what you're talking about okay so that where that park is right now where that used to be an outdoor hockey spot um i had to like kind of you know chase the puck you know we had to chase the puck because there was still like the metal there but the nets were fucking gone this or that so that space right there is now like a small street park little spine it looks fun as hell it's called perry park is what is what that place is but there's a newer one that they just built um it's i haven't been there yet um shit andy's always there um if, yeah. you, if you look at An- if you can queue up andy's profile mm. Um, well, we can get you the name of it, but it's like right downtown because there's really? never been a there's never been a skate park in that area. No. so that's been like a big deal. That's why it's been put there.
0: You're kidding. <clears throat> I haven't heard anything about this.
1: no, I just forget the name of
0: it. Like I my, haven't been skating a lot, though, so yeah, it's
1: kind of like a street kind of. Kind of street, kind of park. There's not a lot of vert there. There's not like a bowl and shit. It's yeah, not like
0: doesn't, like, street.
2: doesn't it? Doesn't ha- yeah. yeah, I was gonna say it has a kicker ramp. Yeah, it's got or some kicker ramps.
0: Like yeah, there's
1: like a hero gap, couple rails Off-state, and shit. I'll skate that shit all day. It's got rocks like around it, so like that. I heard that can get kind of shaky. Certain attractions are just surrounded by rocks, which doesn't make sense. Is like why sometimes would you people that do are building that?
0: the parks don't, don't actually don't know ride. what they're doing. Yeah, which is why they should just bring. Tony Hawk Let him. Uh, they destroy. should
1: uh, bring in my buddy Ian Wilhelm from Washington of uh, Unity Builders to uh, do some local parks here. Because if you've seen um, the Vandenberg Skate Park in Port Orchard, Washington, it's a fucking masterpiece. Very
0: cool.
1: Um, the only to, it is is according to Ian, the only wasted space in the park is like the middle pit, the middle bit. Where they had to put fucking little, uh, like some foliage and shit right mm. there. He's like, that's the only wasted space. I I got a laugh out of that one.
0: I'm like, when are we going to get a skate park that's got like a moat with alligators?
1: <laughs> like old timey roller derby, yeah, like the roller games. Yeah, let's
0: take to the next level. <laughs> wall,
1: alligator pit. I yeah. mean, I'm here for it. Uh, hopefully one of these days I'll have Quadzilla on because I know he was a part of that. And I s- recently saw a video of that dude taking a table spot on the bank track you know how you know taking yeah. a bump you is that know? from murder ball uh no it was he was like on fucking tv like when it was still like i thought he was also in
0: murder ball
1: i think he was in a movie too i don't know i haven't like done too much of a deep dive but i hope to have him on like um through show research i'll cover all this but history he's got some dope ass history but that table spot i saw him do i was like man this is fucking awesome being a sad being a pro wrestling fan got me into roller derby because of the gimmicks the (laughs) cop and dragger gimmick that's why they were my favorite team everybody If you don't know locally, they're the fucking dead body zombies of the Arizona Derby Dames. So shout out to them and shout out to the upcoming two former Coffin Draggers that are going to be on the show. The Panda Face Killa and Wendy O'Killums. And we do have a special guest probably joining us flying in from Denver. We have Bat-Ass getting them in at the end of October for... Rounding out our scary month with uh, scary, scary theme names and or been on the dead body zombie team.
2: Real quick, Perry Park.
1: Perry Park. Perry
2: Park is. Is the name of that place downtown?
1: Yeah, there's that one, but then there's another one too. I don't know. I'll okay. put it. I'll put it in the show notes for okay. anybody who wants to who wants to go check it out because it's like brand new. It just opened. Perry's been there a little bit. Mm. They've just been kind of slowly adding to it uh master you got anything else no no
2: i mean like all the things we could sit here all day all the things okay all right you got our um
1: you got our outro notes there Um, i just kind of want to circle back around to some of this stuff all right there you go all right everybody so at this time we would like to shout out our show artist cherry jane she has done some of the most fantastic fucking artwork for us, and we've put it into a form of a sticker as well. So shout out to Cherry Jane. You can look at her artwork at art by Cherry Jane on Instagram. So give give her a follow. Um, currently commissions are closed, but hey, they might open back up and if you want a super sweet drawing, maybe a league logo, um, she's pretty cool. Um, so go ahead and check her artwork out. The show is sponsored by Siphon Draw Apothecary. You can find them www.siphondraw.com to check out their online inventory master. Um, And um, pretty soon we'll have a... uh, Is that link tree in our profile yet? Yes. Okay, we have a link tree in our our profile or whatnot. So click in our link our uh, show bio and you will find an affiliate link we are the first mm. affiliate with siphon draw apothecary mm. so shout out to our sponsor so if you're looking to purchase any items hit that affiliate hit that uh, link at the top of the show notes for right now go ahead and browse their inventory and we'll know how many of our wonderful listeners are uh, mm-hmm. visiting our sponsor and uh, supporting them and the show as well And locally, if you would like to check out Goldfield Ghost Town out on the east side here in Apache Junction, it is located 4650 North Mammoth Mine Road in Apache Junction, Arizona 85119. There you will find a brick and mortar location, a physical location for Siphon Draw Apothecary. And also they have a art gallery, Siphon Draw Art Gallery, also located in goldfield ghost town as the weather gets nice here in arizona there's a lot of visitors that go check out goldfield ghost town so if you're here for uh, any of the upcoming games tournaments or whatever and you've scheduled out an extra day to be here go check out our sponsor at their store because it's a super cute store master and i love going in there master like it I smells th-
2: so good it smells, it smells good. So good master
1: like i said <laughs> at the beginning of the show she was in there <laughs> with uh, her parents and my in-laws and it's all made from what you can find in the desert, and um, and pretty much what you can put in your mouth, and it's not going to hurt you. But we don't suggest eating any of it. But I, I,
2: it I taste test them sometimes.
1: Master does put it in her <laughs> mouth from time to time, but just, uh,
2: it's so yummy smelling. <laughs> I just got to make
1: sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this lady. She's so fun. All right, and stay and stay tuned for this. New artwork by Cherry Jane. It will be um, hopefully here soon. It's a um, it's going to be a fantastic piece. I'm just going to ha- I'm just going to say that. Um, so you can support the show by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can leave a five star review for the show that would be awesome because again we are sponsored by a small business our podcast is a small business meouter limits productions and um yeah we're all trying to keep each other afloat here so support the show support our sponsors thank you everybody for listening thank you to our guests for being on the show
0: thank you so much for having me anytime
1: we're gonna have to have you back with um shit dolly at some point like i mean we got <laughs> we got a lot of uh, a lot of content coming up here <clears throat> in the future
2: we're trying to sneak a super super surprise guest in
1: yes we are trying to taking get a super some, surprise guest um, a
2: little influence it's taking
1: some coaxing maybe like yeah. rubbing the fingers together <laughs> trying to get him in there but i think we got him i think we got i think them.
2: so so stay tuned for that
1: all right so again it well at this time Please, 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 always look twice and save a life. Motorcycles are everywhere. And, you know, recently is a certain reason why I always close the show out with this final phrase because motherfucking bigots still exist out there in the world. And it's a goddamn shame because they want people like myself, my wife, my teammates, my league mates, my friends! the people who I sweat with, who I sometimes bleed with, go back into the closet. And I'm here to say this is the boogeyman, master sedator, and Laura Stabs returning back under the bed, but never back into the closet. Thank you for listening. Good night.